0: In education, there have been two recent events that have irrevocably changed how we teach. The first being easy access to the internet. Hopefully, I don't have to go into any detail on how teachers and students have used the internet productively and destructively. But the second and most recent event is the COVID-19 pandemic. Schools across the world shut down. Students, parents, teachers, educators, and national administrations raced to figure out what to do with education in this new world. Inevitably, before schools reverted back to in-person or resident education over the course of a year or two, students and teachers alike were thrown into the world of distance learning. This was a learning curve for all of us. Now, it's safe to say that the world is split into pre-COVID and post-COVID, especially when discussing education. And this is true for the military as well. In order to get a good grasp on the lessons we learned at Army Logistics University, I reached out to four individuals who can shed some light on the difficulties they had in transitioning from resident to distance learning courses, the best practices they learned in doing so, and how the pandemic shaped the way in which we teach and design courses. Welcome to The Instructor's Kit Bag, a podcast for all educators. This podcast comes out of Army Logistics University in Fort Lee, Virginia, and is hosted by me, Nate Ball. In this podcast, we hope to be able to help other educators through discussions of educational topics and techniques that can help us think about our profession in a forward-thinking manner. So in speaking how COVID shaped our educational thoughts here at Army Logistics University, the four educators I called upon were Chief Warrant Officer 5 Kurt Steinecke, the Director of Quartermaster Warrant Officer Training at the Technical Leaders College, Sergeant First Class Hayswood, the Senior Small Group Leader at Logistics Non-Commissioned Officers Academy, Captain Roseland, CCTD Small Group Leader at the Logistics Leaders College, and Ms. Dominique Chatters, Director of the Enterprise Management Program at the College of Applied Logistics and Operational Sciences. Because I had a lot of questions to discuss with all of them, and because we all got excited while chatting about education, We will be breaking up the episodes into three parts. In this first part, we will discuss the challenges of going from resident to distance learning classes, the issues of possibly losing rapport with students, and how assessments changed. So that being said, I sat down with Chief Warrant Officer 5 Steineke, Sergeant First Class Hayswood, Captain Roseland, and Ms. Dominique Chatters, and asked them this question. What were the biggest challenges you faced going from resident classes to a distance learning environment? Mr. Steinecke, what was your experience with switching over from a resident classroom to a virtual classroom?
1: Well, I think first was getting the instructors on board with, you know, what platforms we're going to use. So, you know, once we got uh, teams up and running, then we kind of had the platform. Now it's, you know, what material can we put out there over that? You know, is it, you know, make sure it's classified and classified. Uh, Getting the students familiar with the use of MS teams because nobody for the moment, and I'm kind of paraphrasing there, but literally nobody had any experience with MS Teams uh, prior to that. So we were trying to figure out, as we were getting classes in, what works, what can we do? Um, You do have to change your teaching style for some things. It's, as an instructor, it's easier to read the classroom when you're face to face. Um, even with the use of cameras and different things like that, it's still kind of a challenge because you don't have maybe that connection with the students when you're looking at them through a, through a video camera versus when they're sitting in front of you as far as you got to make sure, do they understand where I'm at? Are they coming along? Uh, you know, the students had to kind of realize that, hey, my classroom, well, virtual learning allows me to sit in a living room and you know on a distance learning class the dog barking in the background and running through every five minutes maybe i do need to go or in the bedroom and shut are. the door kids <laughs> hollering because they're you know they were on lockdown too from school so they weren't going to school at the time and so kind of working through that and, and getting everybody comfortable um, once we kind of figured out a routine you know doing comms checks the week prior and all those little ttps that made you know working through some of the issues we were having in the beginning was was kind of critical uh, for, for getting over some of those things we were seeing that we really hadn't prepared for before. Testing was another one. You know, hey, how do we do these exams when I'm not in the classroom with them? Is there, you know, and what can we do when we're bringing them here? We're putting them all in the hotel. Well, now you've got a hotel full of students sucking up the bandwidth. And so now how do we overcome that? Do we, you know, and so different things like that were, were kind of interesting things we probably hadn't really thought of before till we moved to that virtual environment. Sergeant First Class Acewood?
2: So some of the challenges included basically a knowledge gap, not just between students, uh, but also us as instructors as well. We had to become familiar really quickly uh, with technology that maybe some folks weren't familiar with. I had a background, you know, in uh, Blackboard management uh, just because of college courses that I've taken over time and just working with our training developers. So it was a little bit easier for me and the instructors that I work with uh, to transition to a Army learning management platform or Blackboard platform. But really connecting with those students, um, that was the biggest challenge. Going from coming to class to, you know, now we're not seeing you at all. Uh, you know, they're completely operating from their hotel uh, room, which just that piece alone was a challenge.
0: Dominique.
3: One, I had to make sure that my learning objectives did not change, right? We had to make sure that whatever we were going to do virtually or in a blended environment still met the learning objectives, what every student was supposed to walk away with. Second, I had to work with my guest speakers. So I have plenty of guest speakers for one of the courses I teach, and they are not instructor trained. So to get them to the point where they were able to do it in the classroom took some work. Then I had to rework with them on how to modify how you approach it in a virtual environment. Because lecture style does not work well in a virtual blended environment. And so that's what they were accustomed to. So that was some growing pains. And the third was just trying to be more creative in a virtual space to keep the students engaged. Most of my classrooms are very engaging anyway because that's my personality, so I had to make my personality jump through a computer screen.
4: Captain Rosalind. So our, our, first off, our timing was a little strange because we had gotten the notification that we are going to go into distance learning like I think midway through Christmas break while everyone was already scattered. Um, so the first uh, hurdle that we had to come together was our, how can we uniform this across all of our instructors? Because we want to give the same level of instruction to each of our students and so we had been using the engine behind like Microsoft Teams of like providing all the instructions all the material because very similar we're also very lecture based but we're also project space uh, which kind of encountered a few issues about trying to get people together to coordinate um, different requirements and execution requirements in order to meet a lot of intent. Now what we struggled with is that trying to redevelop all the stuff in teams, because we had done this before, like in the early days of COVID, was trying to relearn what we had probably forgotten and taken uh, for granted back when we came to resident. And so, what we decided to do was, we, in our phase, we had seven instructors. We consolidated our entire phase, which per class, you're at around like 15 to 20 people, into mm-hmm. one class of like about 100. The idea being is that we would take one instructor that would provide the material, like a subject matter expert, who had who had been very competent on the material, whether it was like ammunition or maintenance, and they would teach that block. Behind the scenes, like within the chat function, there would be six other or so instructors that could help manage a lot of that traffic. Because within Microsoft Teams, you have different methods of um, different mediums. Like you can type questions, you can speak. There's a little hand raise function that can help, um, essentially dissolve a lot of that traffic, so you're not overwhelming one instructor with 150 different inputs. And so that's kind of how we started. It was the simplest model that we had at the time. Uh, going back, with, if we could probably refine a lot of our products and trying to get everyone on the same page, we'd probably split that bucket into original teams. But I think the way we had handled at least you know, the onset of Omicron, I think that was probably the most effective method we had.
0: So, Mr. Seineke, you know, one thing that's interesting, especially face-to-face, is because you're seeing these students over and over again, and you see how the, you sort of set up that rapport, and you can see, is this student struggling? Is this uh, student really just catching on quick, quickly? Did you find that was more of a challenge
1: in the virtual learning environment? I think initially, till we kind of, like you said, it's about building that rapport. It might take you longer to figure out whether somebody's on there or not. I mean, you know, because it I noticed I probably rotated my calls throughout you know as far as who I was calling on maybe I did a little bit more of the calling on to make sure that we were keeping everybody engaged because I necessarily couldn't see them so I got to make sure maybe I do a little bit more of that as an instructor to to make sure that the students are following along and are engaged versus because they can all kind of give you a north and south on the camera and everybody's screens you know two inches by two inches so I just you know you kind of got to make a dedicated effort but I think at first it was you know kind of you're just yeah everybody's going along everybody's getting it and then as you do it you're like well wait maybe I've got to check a little more to make sure that somebody is struggling or at least and 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 also letting them know hey look if you know as a learner if this isn't working for you you got to take some responsibility and come back to us and say hey look I I got it but I am a hands-on learner or I am a you know and I'm maybe not getting what I am out of it encouraging them to to speak up and say hey if, if something's not making sense to you you know, or you feel like you're not keeping up. Let us know so we know to watch and, and keep that dialogue with you, Sergeant First Class Acewood?
2: So that's where, as an instructor for me, that's where that interpersonal communication just kind of comes in, and that's one of the things right out of the gate that I try to identify. And when I say interpersonal, I literally would ask students in a personal setting, a whether that's on Teams, with a one-on-one phone call, or even through different discussion posts. Hey, you know, do you have any experience um, in a blended learning environment. Have you taken online courses? Um, do you prefer to be in class? So learning preferences, those things, I asked all those questions immediately because students oftentimes would tell, hey, this is not my bag. I do not care to you know, be sitting in front of a computer all day. Or hey, even when it comes down to typing, you know, I'm not super comfortable with email communications and things like that. That's something I really need to work at. And so creating that environment where students even feel like they can share that, I was able to identify whether or not there may be, even down to a learning disability. Because, you know, some students, you know, I've, I've had students uh, that have suffered from maybe dyslexia or, you know, that's been something that they've had to work around. Um, speech impediments, it w- became, one of the things that kind of stood out uh, during, you know, the blended sessions, because they were having a little bit of a struggle trying to communicate certain things, uh, maybe because of a lisp or something like that. Even some of the students that had a thicker accent.
0: That's right, because in the Army, you're drawing from people from Alaska, people from yep. the deep Floridian Everglades. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> roger. You know, you're, they're everywhere. Yes. You know.
2: Um, and that was in class, you know, sharing those stories and those experiences about where you come from. It's still part of the virtual learning environment. Probably the whole first week which is our non-commissioned officer common core week where we just focus on basic NCO type functions. It's really a rapport building as well. Uh, getting to know your classmates, getting to know your instructor, and a lot of time those, uh, you know, from where you came from, that's brought out during those sessions.
0: So sort of uh, some team bonding activities. Absolutely. Like that. Dominique, going from a face-to-face environment, then going to virtual, did you have any previous courses where there was already a sort of blended learning or some was a little bit asynchronous, virtual at all? or
3: No, everything inside. My my college was all face-to-face. We have never touched the, that realm before until March when they said, hey, you can't come back. You got 30 days to convert your course from a face-to-face to a virtual course. Go ahead and make it happen.
0: So you're all, at this point, scrambling, probably. Correct.
3: We didn't even have a medium at that time. So we were all... I was using Google Meet because my children were virtual. Okay. So I was like, okay, Google Meet sounds like a thing. Let's, let's try Google Meet. Let's try Canva. Let's try Zoom. Let's try, I mean, when I tell you, we ran the gamut on every possible medium because the army did not give us one and said, hey, this is the one, blessed be, and use this one. We were out there just learning on the fly and YouTube was my best friend.
0: Yeah, YouTube, now you can find anything too. <laughs> I learned how to change a headlight on a 2001, you know, whatever car. And sure enough, there's a YouTube video for it. Captain Rosen,
4: was that similar to you? Or did you already sort of have an idea of what you were going to use? So we, I mean, in the operational force, um, it just so happened that at the time where where a lot of the operational force was going, distance communication was also when the advent of Microsoft Teams was coming out. And so not necessarily from an educational standpoint, but from a meeting or teamwork standpoint, we always had... I won't say always, but we had Microsoft Teams that kind of fall back on and we had a lot of reps uh, in order to kind of figure out the meet function, how to kind of organize meetings, personnel, making sure everyone was on the same net and the like. And so having the fact that we had that practice in the operational force, whether it was for like training meetings or like command staff, we were able to kind of pull very similar experiences kind of into the educational realm. So the foundation was the same, it's just kind of the methodology was different.
0: For the final question of this episode, I wanted to ask the team how they felt switching to distance learning may have affected pass rates among students or how they had to change the way they administered assessments. Here's what they had to say. Mr. Steinecke, did you see any difference in either passing rates or quality of work between face-to-face and virtual learning?
1: For the things that we were doing, we didn't. Um, And it was kind of, that was one of our things is, you know, is there a metric in here that's going to tell us whether virtual learning is working or not? But for the most part, just that, you know, our students were all familiar with somewhat the material because, you know, the majority of the warrant officers, uh, educational comes from the operational domain, so by the time they come here, they've, they're pretty from, nothing was really, I don't want to say new necessarily, but, you know, they've already got a pretty well-rounded experience, so I think it was easier to, to keep them engaged. We weren't, you know, reinventing the wheel and starting from zero with each course. Um, so they were familiar with the topics enough that I, th- I think that kind of kept it up. And then the way our material tests, we didn't have a lot of hands-on testing already, so it was kind of easy to do that. But there are some things, you know, for like the parachute riggers, we did have to make sure that, you know, with the safety and everything involved there, that, you know, we are watching those rates. Hey, you know, are they getting it? And, but as far as seeing any hard data that, hey, you know, we had more failures, no, everything was still consistent with what you saw prior to, to COVID.
0: Sergeant First Class Acewood,
1: How did your assessments change
0: because of going to a virtual learning environment?
2: Okay, so for us as non-commissioned officers, uh, basically we assess students, we call it like a holistic approach, right? Um, So there are competencies and attributes that we gauge every single day by actually observing a student and how they interact or collaborate with their peers in the classroom. So that was removed when we went to a blended environment because we couldn't actually see our students. So whereas I can be in class and say, okay, I see them, having a small working group or maybe um, helping their classmates set up their uniforms, well they couldn't set up their student, their classmates uniforms. So that piece, that actual visual observation changed. So it was really reliant on their communication skills when it came to being away from their battle buddies, right? So how well could a student articulate themselves in a virtual setting to get their point across was probably the biggest change in assessment. And then if you include, um, even our tests before were handwritten, they filled those out, you know, we did even with a Scantron, if you believe it or not, that's how we were actually grading it. Uh, but once we switched to blackboard.com, uh, students were taking their tests completely and solely online without a proctor. So that piece of the assessment, though easier for me as an instructor, because hey, the system uh, calculates the answers for you um, and spits out a score and it's done. But for students, you know, that in itself could be a challenge because hey, uh, Sergeant Hayeswood, I have a question that maybe I can't, you know, uh, answer right then and there.
0: Dominique.
3: For for me, we it's like a gentleman's course, so to speak. So we didn't I didn't have like tests. So the assessments that I used resident had to change, like our check on learnings type thing. Normally I would have a bell in the middle of the room and I do like a family feud style and there's one person from each team and they stand there and they ring the bell. So for Virtual I had to resort to Kahoot um, that I learned from my kids because they were using virtual So I made cahoots for all of my check-on learnings broke them up into teams and everybody had like weird hippopotamus names and and then they would buzz in and they did not feel as Self-conscious as standing in front of the classroom getting the question wrong I felt as opposed to just buzzing in in the little Kahoot game to assess if they were tracking As far as group assignments or group projects, I did break them up into smaller teams on MS Teams, and I would pop in and watch the meetings and be there to answer questions. They would tag me or pull me into the meeting if they had any other questions. So I found that easier to do than when I break them up inside the classroom, a team over here, team over here, team over there, they're kind of like still engaging with each other when they're supposed to be focusing on their own team. So I found that part of uh, MS Teams beneficial. you could really just focus on your group. And then I could focus on that particular group and just go into each room as needed. Versus in here I'm round robining it, you know, making sure you're not taking anything from this team and we're whiteboarding. So I mean, I did find some advantages to the group assignments and group assessments in teams versus resident.
4: So if I were to kind of break up assessments, we have our our check on reading to make sure that they do the pre-reading and reading for the course. We've got the check on learning at the end to make sure that they, you know, Understood what we've taught them to kind of make sure that we've met our criteria and then tests I think when it came to check on reading it kind of echo what you said Yes, uh, we had an easier time because we had a greater uh, system to kind of enforce that policy uh, We were able to kind of pull like from the list of people that are hanging on the meeting like hey Based on the pre-reading assignment. Can you at least explain or identify like this concept and then we were able to like, okay? well, I think we've got you know, we've got a pulse of understanding with this concept of at least generation as we go through or if not okay we'll pause it for about 40 minutes and we'll come back and then we'll then start the lesson just to make sure so it was easier to kind of enforce that policy uh same thing for check on learning but where our issues happened was for tests and uh, the career course utilizes at least within the logistics based component of career course we utilize the blackboard medium to kind of enforce tests but in a resident site we would have everyone log on blackboard with their sheets of paper and they would Take the test and make sure that no one was cheating or using notes when they should have, because all of our tests are closed notes. To replicate that in a distant learning environment is exceedingly difficult. Um, you're kind of, again, treating it as a gentleman's course to make sure that people aren't cheating. But at the same time, if you are, like, say, 30 miles away from the school and nobody's watching over your shoulder and you're, like, nervous about a test, it's very easy to just pull up other material and just put in the correct answer. I think we knew that, at least we thought in our hearts, we. Th- didn't think we were going to be in distant learning for very long, depending on like how long Omicron was. Well, so we knew that we were going to come back, and so we we kind of assumed risk, saying we're going to we're going to push tests a little bit to the right, uh, depending on whether or not we were going to return. That gave them more time to kind of go through the material and then kind of focus on like group projects. That meant you said that we had a greater um, expectation for results. Right, we would make sure that when we printed out like say manual copies or the like that. Um, a different sort of expectation for kind of outputs of understanding material if they're provided additional time to work on it. So I I think we kind of figured out the check on reading and the check on learning, but I will admit we we still have some work to do kind of on our assessment side of how we're gonna work that on a blended learning environment.
0: And that will conclude part one of our in-person and distance learning forum. Join us next episode when I ask the team about what they think the benefits of distance learning are as well as the drawbacks. And again, thanks for listening to The Instructor's Kit Bag, a podcast for all educators. And remember, never stop educating others, and most importantly, never stop educating yourself.